everyone, and welcome to our initial Women-Owned Wednesday podcast. I'm Barb Smith, Director of Key for Women program here at KeyBank, and I'm excited to be covering the advice and solutions you need to support your personal and business success from our experts at Key. Today, I'm joined by Amy Brady, Chief Information Officer and Executive Vice President of KeyCorp. Thanks for joining us, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here, Barb. Amy oversees Key's technology and operations organization, so she's certainly no stranger to the importance of cybersecurity for your business. Fraud is expected to cost $3 trillion to the global economy by 2020, and according to the Better Business Bureau, a small business can expect to lose $80,000 on average when they fall victim to a cybercrime. Amy, it seems like there is a new cyber attack hitting the headlines almost daily. What are some of the most common attacks happening today? Sure, Barb. You know, we hear most often about the large corporate data breaches that can compromise client data, disrupt operations, and produce company losses in both dollars and, quite frankly, reputation. But cybersecurity is a top concern for businesses of all sizes. The most common cyber crimes are those that involve employee emails and result in the movement and loss of money. The good news is that with the proper training and diligence, they can be better mitigated. So Amy, can you tell me who are these culprits conducting these crimes and what are some of the common examples of email threats that you could share with our listeners? You know, these cyber criminals are what the industry refers to as threat actors. An individual or a group that attempt malicious activities to generate profit. The most common email threats are when an actor tries to get an employee to click on a link that contains malware, which is software specifically designed to invade, damage, or disable networks or devices. These actors use this to steal, encrypt, or delete your data, and quite frankly, to spy on your computer activity with the intent of demanding ransomware paid in cryptocurrency or other meet other demands. Okay, that's really scary. Can you tell me what businesses can do to protect themselves? You know, the best line of defense and the ability to recognize common cybersecurity threats. So it really comes down to training, training, and more training, which is simple, right? That's a good thing. For example, employees should never click on a link that they do not know explicitly. And even if you think you do, before clicking, you should always hover over the link of the sender to disclose the actual website or the address to ensure that you know that what you think it is, it truly is. It really sounds simple, but we know it happens. Employees still click. What about passwords? You know, Amy, I've got to admit, I struggle with managing all the different passwords required these days. What are some of the do's and don'ts businesses need to know about passwords? You know, the best place to start improving cybersecurity measures is definitely passwords and good password hygiene. The basic best practices are to require strong passwords, something that you change often, that use multiple authentication, and never use the same password across sites. If that one password is compromised, it increases the potential for harm exponentially. Wow. So strong password. Could you define that for me? Yeah. We recommend using a paraphrase that is at least 14 characters long. Now you say, gosh, 14 characters. How would I remember that? But for example, you might say, some leaders are born female. 
that could be your paraphrase that's easy to remember because, of course, women are brilliant, and then it becomes harder to crack that password. You know what? That makes a lot of sense, both the paraphrase and the quote. Um, What are some other email risks for businesses that we need to know about, Amy? So social engineering is another common email breach method or just a common breach method. The actor uses the art of deception to manipulate email recipients to give confidential information. Now, the cyber criminal will usually try to get you to disclose passwords, banking, or personal information to defraud you or your company. They use social media posts to gather information on a stakeholder's whereabouts. Like a business owner, for example, they might look and they'll use the information they could find um, on the business, e- the business owner's travel that they may be posted on Facebook to make an email appear legitimate. So a good best practice is really never post while you're traveling. Always wait until you get back if you want to post that really pretty picture of what you saw. And remember, legitimate entities will never ask you for your personal information ver- via email. So it was really scary to me as you were describing that. What happens when somebody does disclose banking information and it results in a loss? Are they protected? Well, unfortunately, no, not always. They're not always protected. The client is not protected if the compromise is originated by the client or confirmed by the client when a financial services fraud team member contacts them to question the transaction. Banks can, however, help you try to get money back So the sooner the customer identifies the breach and contacts their institution, clearly that is better. But one way a business can mitigate this risk is to always require dual control on payments and other financial transactions from their their company. Additional best practices include knowing your creditors. Um, If your data has been breached, you need to figure out quickly what has been exposed. Knowing your creditors can save you a lot of time should a new security breach occur and you see their name in the news or are tied to any of the breaches or other security concerns. Secondly, placing a fraud alert or credit freeze on your own personal credit report. Um, Those fraud alerts require verification of data before an issuance of new credit while a freeze blocks the opening of credit accounts without the use of personal identification number. So that's a really good practice um, to keep in mind. And then third, investigating your bank's fraud protection capabilities. There are many services available that will help you reduce your fraud risk. So stolen data provides criminals with the information that they need to take over an account that they can use in online banking or to assume control of your personal business accounts. But your banks, your institutions, often have tools to help prevent that if you should put those tools into practice. You know, that's really good advice. It also brings to mind the world of digital payments that makes the transfer of money so simple these days. What advice can you share with business owners around payments? Sure, and as the speed and ease of these payments increases, particularly for businesses, controls, notifications, and monitoring are also advancing. Um, Businesses should continue to enable features from dual authentication, which is critical, fraud protection services, and payment alerts, and while using payment information and monitoring to spot suspicious patterns of payments. So nothing beats actually watching and monitoring your own accounts. And financial institutions are increasing their own pattern recognition and tools to be able to monitor accounts. Now, at the same time, 
Um, having dual diligence and real-time monitoring as an added layer of protection is critical. So, for example, the ability to use a mobile device to approve a payment that has been sent by another employee is easier and it's faster than ever before. But that dual control model um, has to be implemented by the customer, but it clearly increases the security measures for the business. It adds an extra step in the process, but I think that step is worth it. Yeah, I agree. Hey, listeners, we're going to take a short break here, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. My name's Miriam. One of my biggest goals is to build my credit up. At KeyBank, we believe it's never too early to start thinking about making financial progress. They want to help you get ahead. My credit score really has in the last few months jumped 60 points, and I wouldn't have been able to do that without the help of the advisors at KeyBank. Make progress. Come in for your free 30-minute financial wellness review. Learn more at key.com progress or your local branch. KeyBank is member FDIC. And now we're back with Amy Brady. Uh, Amy, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, the basics for sound cybersecurity strategy? Sure, Barb. Let's start by identifying your organization's critical information assets that need to be protected, and then assess the potential adversarial threats to them. This is foundational to determining the most appropriate protection methods for your business. And each each business is unique. So next, then you want to focus attention on basic foundational elements such as access management to track and control authorized users to your business systems. And patch vulnerability management is critical for every company to make sure that you're doing that. Basic blocking and tackling measures that greatly reduce your cyber exposure. It is also critical to ensure that you and your team have the latest software updates to mitigate cyber risks. Updates will often contain fixes intended to address software vulnerabilities. And I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to retake those patches and implement those patches. Nobody likes to update all of their systems or even your favorite app on your phone, but when you get it, implement that patch. Now, industry and government frameworks are also very useful for assessing cybersecurity capability maturity and identifying opportunities for improvement. Employees are are an important line of defense, so never underestimate the power of your employees being your first line. Be sure to maintain a robust cybersecurity training program. And again, your financial institution and many financial institutions have tools available for you on their websites that you can share with your employees. And finally, know your third and fourth parties that you use. They're an extension of your business. So define and verify expected security controls based on the level of risk they pose to your organization and make sure you monitor them as well. Amy, all great advice. Um, Can you give us any resources that might be available to help guide businesses on cybersecurity strategies and planning? Sure. And there are a number of resources available out there. So 
Um, our government provided resources for small to mid-sized businesses like the Department of Homeland Security's Critical Infrastructure Cyber Community Voluntary Program is available on the .gov websites, so you can go out there and look there. KeyBank also has several resources available for consumers and businesses to help inform and protect them against cyber attacks. You can find these at key.com under the Business Institutions Corporate Fraud and Cybersecurity Solutions page, Small Business Advice, Security and Risk Management page, and under the Personal Cybersecurity Measures to Keep Your Information Safe page. So we've got lots of resources um, on, on key.com for our clients. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today to share actions our members can immediately take to help better protect themselves and their businesses from cyber attacks. We know that understanding cybersecurity risks and having a strategy and a plan in place to mitigate them is imperative for all business today. And I just want to reinforce what you said earlier about training, training, training. So thank you for listening and be on the lookout for our next Women Own Wednesday podcast.